Christian name. Let's break it out again. A Mr. Finn Jones. Certainly, certainly not these Keisha Castle-Hughes. How's everyone doing so far? Are you having a good New York Comic Con? I've uh, not been able to do any Comic Con stuff. Have you guys been in, in the mix? We were there uh, yesterday, so we had the panel yesterday with. Uh, is this working? Hello. These microphones were made for a drum set, I think. All right. <laughs> um, yeah, we were there yesterday, and then we're here today, and then we're here on Saturday and Sunday. So we got the whole four days. Yeah, I just arrived. Um, I just flew in from Ottawa. Boy, are my arms tired. <laughs> oh, shut up. <laughs> Security. It's 2015. All right, Hodor. <laughs> you always look at me if I've sold out when I say that, Finn Jones. <laughs> it's a glorious occasion to have you guys here. Christian, you've been on the show more times than we know how to count. Yeah. And uh, particularly just the selection here. David J. Peterson's been dancing around the stage the entire night. Wearing a bucket on his head. Wearing a bucket on his head. Just the best guy. Does the bucket resemble any, like, signify anything? He has a Baratheon antlers. Ah. It's just been a magical occasion here on this Friday night of New York Comic Con. And uh, I think it's time for us to just bring ourselves together in front of these three cloth tables. Christian has his juice box. We're prepared. <laughs> Where do we even begin? Can we be prepared? I don't think we're ever prepared. Uh-huh. Fully prepared for Christian Nairn's DJing. I have a video of you dancing to my DJing. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just say that Christian Nairn, who plays Hodor on HBO's Game of Thrones, took a video at his own show, at yeah. his own concert. In Chicago. Shame. Took a video and yeah. texted it to me after the show. Yeah. It was oh, he texted funny. it to you. Oh, this is now gone. It's going to go viral one day. That was a beautiful moment. Looking forward to that. Was it, what, how was my dancing then, in your estimation? We doing that fucking shuffling thing. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that. I hate it. it What's the shuffle? Can you, can you show us? Please. Can anyone shuffle? I can't shuffle. We have I'm one shuffler queen. in the crowd. We'll get something for free from back there, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> Penguin Books gave David oh, right. an amazing amount of signed books. It's like a jig. Yeah. It's a bit like an That's Irish horrible. jig. horrible. <laughs> it's not like an Irish jig. Well, it's, like, it's like kind of a more toned down version. A more like street version. You're, tri- you're tripping? <laughs> I wasn't aware that I had a shuffle. <laughs> I think I am tripping. <laughs> Can we just congratulate these three? David. And everyone else associated with the show for the 2015 takeover of the Emmys. Oh, yes. It is quite safe to say that Game of Thrones is the biggest show in the world right now. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. Thanks, thanks. I wasn't in that season. <laughs> <laughs> That's very ironic, right? Yeah. Very generally, guys. How does it feel to be part of the biggest show in the world? I don't think your microphone's working. Just shout at the audience. It's very exciting. <laughs> there we go. It's kind of weird. It's like it's odd. You never really, never really sinks in, and I don't think it will sink in until we've finished it. Until the whole thing mm-hmm. is finished, to have yeah. like real retrospect of what we were part of. Like you know, when you're a part of something, you can't really see what's going on outside because you're you're in it, and so it's 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 amazing. Like it's really cool, but I don't think. I, We'll fully understand it until it's finished. For me, it's like a series of different moments, and 
every single time. It's like, this is not my life. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. snapshot. Like, even tonight, like when I pulled up in Times Square, <laughs> like, how bizarre that was amazing. Was that? So basically, I was just in Times Square and I was <laughs> taking a photo of all the amazing lights. And then I'm taking this photo and this, this like blacked out car just like screeches to a halt in front of me in the middle of Times Square. And then Christian, he just like cooped up in the car like this. He just busts open the door and is like, hi. I'm just like, what? What are you doing here? Just moments like that. Just like, it's madness. It's, it's really strange that like these moments can uh. be... Just think of where we are right now. Like you said, we're in yeah. we're in Times Square. The yes. show has been on the so marquee bizarre. outside. This has been on the marquee outside for days leading up. Oh, wow. All all of you are here celebrating this with us yeah. over one man's idea to write a story, and all of the people that worked alongside that story over the past few years. Mm-hmm. So I think we should just go ahead and give it up to George R. R. Martin. Yeah. I think one of the most fun things about doing this podcast for now, 300 episodes, has been Whoa. the discussion among friends. It's always been a show among friends to discuss what we're watching, what we're reading as well. And we have a sort of dichotomy, for those who aren't familiar, on the show between those who have read the books and those who have not. So some of us are going along with the show, and we're just as surprised as everyone else when something like the Red Wedding happens, or the Purple Wedding happens, or... And Too soon. That's... Too soon? I won't even mention Jon Snow then. Uh, but uh, but then others, others have seen it coming and are doing an amazing job, or were doing an amazing job of not telling us. So Yeah. Well, uh, we, we were actually uh, in Chicago for the finale uh, not that long ago, and I remember Zach turning to me after that final scene, and he said, you've known this whole time. <laughs> That's a long time to keep a secret like that. It's like when we were like, okay... Whoa, this is a cool story. Let's make a podcast about it. At that point, Maiko should go, the main character gets killed brutally. I know this already. <laughs> or we would have scrapped it. We would have moved on to who knows what we would have done. Uh, My Little Pony podcast. It was just a slow burn. It was a slow burn. And uh, it's always kept things interesting. And, and, and obviously the same isn't applied to you guys because you're working on the show. So I feel like part of me I feels just a tiny bit sorry for you because you don't get the experience that like we do. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know? it, it, it's... Yeah, it's a shame that, cause, but you see it from a whole different uh, perspective. But it, I do wish that I'd never been in Game of Thrones so I can enjoy Game of Thrones, like, as everyone else does, you know? Everyone, Keisha's here. I turned up. I'm from New Zealand, so things, I run on a different... I've known Keisha for a while now, and she's a very unique type of person, <laughs> in a good way. Uh, well, um. You say that now. <laughs> But I've now discovered it's actually a whole country full of weirdos. <laughs> it's very <laughs> keep them strange. The way, a lot I, of fun, the, the way I sort of quantify it is um, I've just been on a plane with really bad turbulence and uh, full of Americans and stuff. And they're all sort of crossing yourselves and praying and stuff. <laughs> in, in New Zealand, you all were like, yay! <laughs> we're going down. Yeah, yeah, unbelievable. This is super fun. Yeah. Let's make this into a thing. No, it was awesome. What was it like? And this is a, listen, this question's just coming out of the ether, but I just realized, because I don't prep for these things, uh, just like, Chris, you know, I know that you don't prep for these <laughs> I don't things. prep for these things. I, was, I just had a thought come across my mind watching you speak about New Zealand and realizing that you played Obara Sand on Game of Thrones. That responsibility of following up Pedro Pascal's performance. Oh my God. Like, he's so incredible. Right. And when, in season four, when that, like, when the character of the Red Viper came on, like, I was a massive fan of the show. Well, I am a massive fan, but, like, was just 
purely a viewer. And I don't know if it was timed like at all, but I remember I'd read for the part of Obara and then the night that the episode aired, the mountain, the red viper mm. fight, was like this, maybe this day or if not the day after I'd found out that I was playing Obara. Yeah. It was, and I had like the most intense emotional <laughs> reaction to it. I was just like, Did you even have oh a moment God. where there was hope? Like you found out just as the fight was beginning, like he might live through this. Oh yeah, you kind of, you have that, <laughs> I mean, you have that sense. The way that everything's shot, like it, there's so much suspense, but I had read the books and so I was aware that it was coming, but like anything in the show, like I still kind of, there's hope that maybe they could change the course of things. We actually just read that chapter uh, in our last episode, and we still thought that there was a chance that he was going to survive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, no, surely it's, not. It's written very hopefully. Yeah. It, it really is, because it really is. it's sort of played up how much of an insurmountable <laughs> character the mountain is. And then you see him nearly win, and he gets him down, but... Pride gets him in the end. Yeah, and I think good. that's a lesson well, that the I think gets him in the end. That's but. a lesson that I think his daughters should learn, and everyone <laughs> looking to avenge him should learn, is that pride is a fickle bitch. <laughs> always confirm the kill. Oh always. yeah, always confirm the kill. Well, it was great to see you guys. I mean, as as the Sand Snakes, we we weren't that far in the podcast yet, but I remember I was in San Diego when it was announced at the panel, and I was just thinking, what a way to follow up. Oberyn Martell by giving us his family. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and the Dawn storyline. It's a very... If I were to choose a place to live, it would definitely be Dawn. It yeah. seems kind of the most relaxing <laughs> of, all the, of all the regions to, be, to come from. They've got the best wine as well. They do. Can't hurt. I hear the wine's good. Well, I think I'm just going to chase that strange line of thought like I did earlier and say that, Finn, during Joffrey's wedding when you threw the shade and neither will you was one of my favorite moments in the entire TV show. I mean, can yeah. we give it up for that moment? The shade? That's a good show. Ridiculous. Yeah, it was, it was nice to see Loris uh, give a little bit of bite, you know, throw a bit of shade, you know. Show, show, I like the, uh, the dynamic between him and Jamie as well. Yeah. I like that in the books, especially. It's so good in the books. Yeah, it's really nice. And I, I hope they do more of that. Um, so I think the two characters really complement each other really well. Yeah. Um, yeah, we just awesome we moment. just read that chapter in the books, right. and uh, to all of you out there that are obs- as obsessive as what I'm sure most of the people, all of the people on this stage are, when they're in White Sword Tower and they're having the conversation, and Jamie has this realization that I'm speaking to a younger version of myself. Knowing that, and then watching the show is so magical for Loris's character mm. because Jamie's going through so much in his later age mm. that is, I just feel like. If the world wasn't in so much duress, we would see a very similar thing happen to Loris. And yeah. it's just, it's cool to see. Yeah. And he still has his hand, so he's still very useful to everything that's happening. <laughs> no, I, w- I would think, and uh, Finn, please tell us what, what, how you feel as well, but I would think that given the imprisonment of Sir Loris under those circumstances in season five, that he would be quite pleased to see, unlike most characters, how Cersei's plan to enlist the Faith Militant has sort of backfired on her. And it's grown to be a bit too much that, that no one person she certainly can't control. And, but is that something that, I mean, is there any joy to be had? It's not looking good, is it? I mean, they have complete autonomy of power, it seems, in the television show. Uh, and it's more of a political war than it is a, a physical one at the moment. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's, it's super interesting 
Because you think that Loris would, you know, he's got the, the arrogance to, uh, I think when, before, before Loris was actually thrown into jail, I think every fiber of his being knew, fuck this, I'm going to be out. Like, I've got the biggest fucking powerful family in Westeros. Yeah. You guys are just faith militants. Like, who the hell are you guys? Like, this is going to be fine. And I think it's not until he has that, um, that mini trial and then he realizes that both him and his sister have been implicated that he really goes, things have just changed. Like, we're no longer, like, power is no longer just about money and stature. It's, you know, there are other ways of getting in there. And I think now, now he's, he's worried. You know, he's, he's scared. He, can, he knows there is his family are in a very, very tough um, position. Uh, yeah, and it's going to be really interesting to see how all of that plays out and how, how this, uh, this event is going to impact the family. Are you disappointed that you didn't get to have a heart-to-heart with Brienne? Yeah, big time. No, I really, really am, because um, that was actually one of the scenes that I auditioned with. Um, when I had a recall, uh, it was that audition when he's with his... Uh, his uh, Posse? Guys, his dudes, yeah. yeah. His dudes, sorry, and, that's um, a better word. He's confronting Brienne, and that was one of the scenes that I did. That's that too audition, good. And then, but they didn't even know they were going to do that first right. down yeah. the line. And uh, yeah, it was a shame because I loved working with Gwen and I really wanted to have a, that, a, a scene with her like that. But it's just the way it goes because there's so much stuff going on and trying to juggle characters. You know. Sure. Well, congratulations, the three of you are still alive. <laughs> also in real life, too. I mean, it's a scary. <laughs> we live in a scary world. Christian was late tonight. And this is a funny story. Tell us why you were late. You were like flying from Narnia to here, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. I, I sat on a runway. DJing through. in Narnia last night. Yeah. They're like Rave of Thrones. I'll have that. It's not very interesting. I lost my bags last night, and I DJed in a fucking tracksuit like a gypsy. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then today, uh, I sat on the runway for three hours with my head like this because the plane was so small. Um, <laughs> see, giant problems. Um, yeah, that was my day. Really, it wasn't very exciting. And now I'm here. And the, everything's peachy. We're glad to. <laughs> we're just having this conversation with all of you. At some point, we're going to have a microphone uh, where you're going to be able to ask a few questions to these fine people. And if you want to ask Eric, Hannah, or Micah, yeah. or myself a question, mm-hmm. perhaps if we prefer Aquafina over whatever else they're supplying in the back. <laughs> it's, uh, it's just so hard because <laughs> watching Game of Thrones, reading the books, there's... You, there's no family you can really consistently think is on top. Like, it was the, for the Lannisters for so long, ex- until this season. And the Tyrells, you know, Loras, brother of the Queen, you'd think he'd have it easy. He does not have it easy. Neither does the Queen, for that matter. It's a whole different ballgame now. And that's kind of one of the most fascinating things I think about this series, is the power struggle. Of course, there's so much else. There's magic, you know, and religion, and all of that. But just the way that no character is safe. The fact that the three of you, that we pulled three cast members who said yes, who are still alive, is, is pretty wonderful right. because it's, uh, that, that doesn't happen. Think of all the people they killed um, mm. who aren't alive. And even though it doesn't uh, look good necessarily for the Sand Snakes if Jamie comes back, uh, <laughs> turns that boat around. He's got one hand, you're fine. Or, uh, <laughs> or Sir Loris, I, I certainly hope you guys last a long time because it's fun as hell to watch you. Thank you. Yeah. Very kind of you to say. We we'll look forward to seeing you. You in can always six. count on Eric for a nice comment or two. The feels, yeah, I bring the feels. Eric brings the feels. We're in the <laughs> we're in the perfect like twilight hour, the interim time where no one knows anything, and that's one of the best reasons that this yeah. conversation is happening right now, because everything is still so far in the, up in the air. Season six is not completely filmed, yeah. 
and nor will it be the penultimate season exactly there's another yeah. i mean it's just uh there's been a lot of really cool news to happen in this off season we have a round of applause for season eight right it's like hey huge news by the huge way news. we'll give you a whole new year of celebrating this show if you'd like <laughs> if this were december or january folks at the top would be gearing up the promotional cycle you know getting things ready for us to see and get us a accost us with what will get us used to uh to what's coming but i feel like just just to have you guys on the show right now where it's it's such a successful moment post the emmys it's such a successful moment post five airing and i think uh, other than the people right now that are busting their ass to create an excellent show in the off season because it's i feel like it's almost impossible just being as close as i am and knowing what i know is 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 just incredible what it's pulled off in a small mm-hmm. amount of time mm-hmm consistently every year and it's just i don't know it's, it's a cool moment to be like i said after season five and just now after the emmys and uh just to see how differently uh, have you guys noticed it with your friends and family even a little bit if you're if you're these proud fans of the tv series now that the emmys happened and the sweep happened i see you nodding out in the audience it's the sweep happened like it did it's just like maybe you're a little less nerdy right <laughs> <laughs> it's like how many how many years in a row do we need to have Game of Thrones jokes and late night television before we get some respect. <laughs> it's 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 just a good time to to celebrate all this, and I'm just happy that we're all here together. I, see, I, I'm getting <laughs> caught in my feelings now because it's a good it's a good moment. Leave me alone. <laughs> and you're all here. It's beautiful. Yes, we understand. There's a certain Thank understanding you. that goes between fans, nerds. Did you call them nerds? Is that word still being used? I don't. Um, what else are we supposed to call people? I've throners. There isn't no, really. So. What's it, what would you, nerds or geeks or just we're all just people, right? Hang on, there isn't. There exactly. isn't. A, is there a term for Thrones fans like Trekkies? Like Star Star Trek has Trekkers or Trekkies? Well, thronies, but I don't think people really want them. Thronies. Eric wants to say Thronies. Thrones is too cool for all that shit. Thrones is just a thing in itself. It's like everyone watches Thrones, right? You don't have like. That's just a sign of being alive today. Yeah, it's just people just watch shit. Yeah, watches. Yeah, they're just watchers. Oh, let's. Oh, we got the banners back there. Watchers. I'm going to go by the URL quickly. But, but there's things that, that watchers everywhere do, not only after every episode, but certainly after every season. We, we guess, we think, we converse with each other who we think is going to die next, who we think is going to survive till the end, what's the end game type stuff. And I mean, that's something that we could have a conversation on right here, even with the audience, the limited audience here. I mean, who's next to go, do we think? And I know these guys probably can't answer that question. Would the truly shocking thing not be now for Game of Thrones to produce a season or HBO to produce a season where absolutely no one dies? <laughs> Perfect. Exactly. Everyone, yeah. Everyone's he perfectly fine. He may or may fine. not have just given away season six. No one dies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I didn't yeah, hear anything. Did you hear fine. anything? <laughs> not too good. Not too bad. Just average doing the job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Boring season. <laughs> That's not going to happen. No. 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 I mean, I, I like not knowing now. I mean, the, there, there's something to be said for that because you go through you know, what we've done the last couple of years on this podcast and you constantly know what's going to happen, what's coming next. And, you know, I go back to season one because I started reading the books after that. And I remember the shock of Bran getting thrown out the window and I had to go on and see, does that, did that just really happen? Is he really dead? And, you know, now we're in a position where we don't know what's coming next. And I think that that's cool. I don't have to... You know, record with these guys and constantly hit my head against the wall every time they say something that's, uh, well, Eric. You know, it's hard to guess. George is a I have that deep effect man. On He's a deep man. He is. He's a very deep man. Yeah. I mean, if you think about how the books are written, 
and the adaptation. Like David and Dan have done an amazing job adapting it. But like even the way so. the books are written with the point of view characters, the history, the complexity of the world. But there's also the magic. There's direwolves. There's again hard home. There's white walkers who, you know, and these generals who are reanimating the dead. <laughs> so if you lose a battle. You also lose all of your army, and that army is used against you. Yeah, it's like I mean, a bad cheat code in a video that's game. That's a terrible it's cheat like code. Shit. That's worse than DK mode in GoldenEye. It's it like, does nothing. There's no point. So I guess, I mean, in, in my brain, because this is something that I think about a lot, and I'm sure you guys do too. I, you, you're handed scripts, and you're you're part of the, you're part of the show, and like we already established, it, it's kind of a bummer that you can't watch it. Like we do, because you were you were there. Yeah, you were you sweating have, during you the world. The but you still have the complete passion and love yeah. for it. We still like you guys do. We sit around on set and we just talk about who we think is going to die next, who we think is going to sit on the Iron yeah. Throne. All these theories. Like we still have the same passion as everyone else does. We just don't get to see it in the same way. But mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter the lens that you see it from. It's the passion of the story, which we right. all we all are involved with. You know, as a viewer and as a participator. So. It's great, man. At the end of all of this, what's going to happen? Oh, they'll do prequels and then they'll. Oh. Game of Thrones is never going to end. Dunkin' Egg, anybody? Dunkin' Egg TV series? Put it together for Sir Duncan the Tall. Sir Duncan the Tall. Yeah, you know we were at a Game of Thrones slash Ice and Fire event when Duncan the Tall gets a round of applause. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> That's good. Hey, man, he's, a, he's in the white book. He he is. Is. He's he going is. places. He is. It's a great book. It's a good read. <laughs> it's a good read. It's a good read. I especially like Jamie's page. Again, going to the magic, though, in the series, uh, you know, every season, it really seems to, uh, the TV show really seems to blow it off, the, blow the lid off of what they've done previously. You know, magic in this world is creeping back in. You're in a world where people, at first, besides old Nan, didn't believe that that was, that it was coming back. Ned be, uh, beheaded the, the man in the beginning of uh, the show, beginning of the series, for being a deserter on the wall because he brought news, which was very important news to bring, of the White Walker resurgence. At the end of season one, you have Daenerys birthing dragons, which hadn't been seen in centuries. I, I don't even know where to go from that. You have the Red Religion, what Melisandre did with the kid uh, or creature that she birthed. Also birthing. I really hope the show uh, explores the magic elements more. Like really yeah. go into the origins of it and really like just rip that apart. Like what is magic? The same way mm-hmm. it, it questions what is power. Like to start questioning what is magic and how is it, you know, we all see it as this kind of fantastical thing that isn't real. But let's actually question if magic was real and where did it come from and what can it do to people, you know, and really explore it. I think it would be really interesting. It's know? cool because in the books, you know how we get it teased along. Well, we're out east with Daenerys and someone's making a ladder out of fire and you're like, oh, okay. Right. And then yeah. you eventually, Melisandre gives birth to a shadow out of her body. <laughs> so at that point, even though we already met White Walkers in the prologue, we, you know then, okay, well, everything's off the table. Anything can happen. This book mm-hmm. is, is not rooted in any kind of reality that we know. Yet, we spend so much time in the heads of characters like Tyrion, meeting people like Hodor, meeting people like Oprah, meeting people like Loras, and we, we are reminded that people are people. And mm-hmm. just like you said, all of this is happening. And I feel like... The show has done a fantastic job of making us wait. Do you remember when uh, episode four came of season four last year and the baby was taken to the north, the deep north, and the Night's King? What the fuck was that? (laughs) It just came out of nowhere. We didn't see it coming, just like Hard Home this year. I I, I remember, because we record right after the episodes air, stepping outside and walking my dog, who is a dire wolf, and we're walking... (laughs) 
And I just remember jumping up and down with enthusiasm, which is ridiculous because I'm a grown-ass man. Jumping up and down with enthusiasm after Hard Home aired because I know that, oh, this conversation is going to be fucking good. Dude, I was the same. I remember after the episode, I was watching it in my hotel room just on my laptop. And I remember after the episode just being so like spellbound by it, just picking up my pillows and just hitting them against <laughs> the wall. I was like, this is fucking amazing. And I'm in it. What the fuck? Yes. Like, yeah. Crazy. yeah. You know, and I think that's what's so good about the show is it pushes people to that react, like those reactions of just complete disbelief in what they're seeing yeah. and what they're experiencing. I think it's so much to do with the patience. Right. Like how we were given, yeah, like I yeah, said, yeah, in that yeah, fourth yeah. episode. Yeah. And then Hard Home, eight episodes mm-hmm. into a season that felt different to a lot of people. Yeah. Like we introduced Dorne, mm-hmm. a completely new location. And it, it was in such a different way than before where even when we got the shots of uh, the places out east and we're, we're getting these wonderful exteriors that lead into these cities. We didn't get that with Dorne. We get a really wide open water garden. We get uh, you guys training outside by the tents. Mm-hmm. We get Jamie... And we get Braun having their small discussions and their parrying, and that's a lot of fun. But leading into Hard Home, which felt a lot like that, it yeah. felt like the same old story during season five, where we're in this place, uh, we just arrived with the boat, people are talking, we're having this very important meeting. This is where the gold is in this episode. Tyrion and Daenerys talking, this is where the gold is in this episode. We've been waiting for this always, right? And then the dogs start barking. And we're like, oh, oh shit. And then it happens. And then it hurt. I think it hurt all of us. That's why it's called Hard Home. Right? I, Maybe I, not. I'm pretty what... sure that's why it's called Hard Home. <laughs> I don't know. It's a just... time traveler from the future was like, this is going to hit people hard. Let's name this uh, Hard I hereby found Hard Home. What you said made me think about, you were talking about, I hope that it splits open. I really think that the patience leading us, with the way David and Dan are telling the story, it's like we're waiting so much longer to learn about this magic than we are to learn about power and the intricacies of people. We're just getting it dropped to us at the end of season two. Like I said, in season four, Hard Home. It's just, I feel like we know we have three seasons now, which is crazy when you think about it. We have three more seasons, not two. A whole year, a whole new season, that's a big deal. We have three seasons, and I know that it's just not going to come fast. I don't think it's going to, I think we're going to have to wait even longer for these answers, and it's a bummer, but... I don't know. It's fun to live in it. So, okay. And it's nice to uh, it's nice to guess and play around with what might happen, you know? If we knew everything already, it would be boring. So, it's nice to kind of, you know, get little bits at a time so we can just add pieces of the puzzle together, you know? I'm going to ask you to do it one more time. Let's give it up to ourselves for not being on the other side. Like, the story's already over and we're like little kids. Like, well, what happened when Game of Thrones came out all those years ago? We're living it right now, people. You're in New York at an event for Game of Thrones. That's pretty cool. If we, if we open the audience up, you guys that are sitting here, up for questions to point in our direction, would you, would you follow along? Would you do that for us? Yeah? I'm going to find you guys a microphone. So, Finn and Keisha, I saw you guys at the Comic-Con panel. And Finn, uh, I don't know if you want to tell it again, um, but you had the awesome story about the Iron Throne and the Valerian Steel. Uh, my question is with... Um, a certain tower coming up in season six and RNL, especially Finn, because of that brilliant thought. Uh, what do you think is going to happen with the spoilers that go along with that? I couldn't care less. I think. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think the whole. I think the whole Jon Snow, Daenerys. Are they? You know, all this kind of stuff. I think that's like just soapbox drama. You know, I don't think that's the real issue between. The, you know, the mystical 
war between ice and fire. That's the really interesting yes. stuff. I think that will just be fodder, and I think it will just get lost in the Great War. Um, and I think the real the real challenge will be up to the the children of the forest regrowing Westeros anew. I think that's where it's going to get really interesting. Um, ben Jones dropping mind bombs on us right now. <laughs> yeah. I- I just think Daenerys and Jon Snow's a bit of a red herring. I think, yeah, maybe they are brothers and sisters or whatever, but then as soon as we find that out, boom, they're gone. <laughs> Who cares, you know? Actually, fire does kill the dragon. <laughs> yeah. There are, way other char- there are characters that I prefer following a hell of a lot more than Jon Snow and Daenerys. Like who? <laughs> I like Bran. I'm a, I'm a Bran man. I'm a Bran, I'm a Bran, Bran, Bran fan. fan. Bran fan, yeah. Aria's good. Are there any other Aria, brand, Aria. brand yeah, fans in the audience? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Sansa, actually. I really like Sansa. Yeah. Should we just go through characters everyone cheered for? <laughs> yeah. By the way, you need to look at this Marjorie Tyrell back here. She's ridiculously yeah, on point. That's right? All right. Where did Eric Skull go? I'm back here. Oh, I'm in the audience. We have our lovely friends at Brewery Omegang in Cooperstown, New York, who will be providing us. Everybody knows Brewery Omegang, right? Creators of the five, currently five, Game of Thrones beers. And they're here to provide our hosts with some refreshments from, from Brewery Omegan. So we want to thank them. Are you going to poison me? <laughs> yeah, this is a Game of Thrones podcast. You shouldn't really drink anything that someone else gives you. <laughs> Who will die? Hey, everyone give it up uh, because we can't give you any, but we can drink it ourselves. Uh, <laughs> Cheersing with a Tyrell. Does anybody yeah, else have a question? Hi, everybody. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hi, I have a question. Uh, yes, for you. For Casey Cashel Hughes. Hi. Hi. Um, Hi. Security. <laughs> I don't. Uh, well, uh, I lived in New Zealand for a time. For 11 months, I lived in Wellington. And then. Sorry. The last of it, I. Sorry. <laughs> What, uh, I'm from if, Auckland. If so I were to like visit, oh, oh Auckland. Yeah. yeah, if I were to visit again, uh, what city would you recommend I stay at? Christchurch. Christchurch. <laughs> Christchurch. Queenstown. Oh, we've been to Queenstown. The adventure capital of the world. It's the adventure capital of the world. It's very pretty. And if you're a Lord of the Rings or Hobbit fan, then yeah. you also, you know, it's like traveling to that time and place. So, if each of your characters. We're on the Iron Throne right now. What is the first thing you think they'd do? Hodor. <laughs> That's such a cop-out. That's such a cop-out. I'd go back to sleep now. <laughs> I'd move the throne to dawn. <laughs> That's a good idea. Yeah. I hear the weather is great. <laughs> this is a question for Christian. Hey. I'm a huge fan. Oh, thank you. And, um... There's been rumors that there's going to be a flashback next season. Oh, God. Um, and if it's brand related, we might get to see your great, great, whatever, Dunk. You might great get Dunk. to see my... Dunk what? and Egg? What? Your great, oh. great grandfather? Oh, I haven't heard that. Well, <laughs> okay. Surprise. <laughs> they're, they're like stories from like a hundred years before. I mean, I've, heard, I've, I've heard of Dunk and Egg, but I haven't heard it for this season. Okay, um, well, you would know more than I. I don't so. know about that. <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, I think sometimes, sometimes I try not to read too much about it because the less I know, the less I can give away. Christian scripts <laughs> are, are rather right. short. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I've, I've seen the rumors and I, I obviously I can't comment on them. You right. know, but um, I think my, it would be cool if they did. My question is... 
If they did that, would you be excited to play Dunk? Or because, you know, oh. you're his descendant or whatever. Am I? Yeah. <laughs> uh, if, if I was, <laughs> Jesus Christ, is a minefield. Um, if I was, theoretically. Just say yes. Just yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. I'll play anyone with Actually, words. Surprise. We have <laughs> HBO executives <laughs> waiting behind the curtains. <laughs> yeah. No. Thank you. We're going to go right up here. Thank you for your question. Hi. First of all, you're all amazing. But my question is for Christian. Um, first of all, I think we can all acknowledge that for a man who has one word, you have managed to portray so many emotions. Oh. And I think that that's really fantastic. It's pure fucking talent. So, so my question... <laughs> no, really, you. You, you just have this big um, rainbow of emotion. And I, uh, my question is, so how do you think... Don't be better. (laughs) How do you think Hodor, or more importantly, how do you feel about Bran? Because there are moments, like in the book, where it says that Hodor is actually terrified of Bran, but, you know, you never really get more of a point of view. So how do you feel about Bran? Um... How do I feel about Bran? How Hodor feels about Bran is very different than I feel about Bran. Um, I think I think he's scared of Bran's powers. Um, I, I don't think he likes being taken over um, particularly. Um, I think it, I think it terrifies him. Uh, I think he's he's fairly good natured. Uh, I don't think he minds all the things that Bran asks him to do, um, and I think he sees the warging as part of a greater good, perhaps. If he can comprehend that, I don't know. But as as far as I'm concerned, um, yeah, I just pain in the ass. <laughs> no, no, Isaac is such a cool. That's going to go into the sidebar in the Daily Express. Um, no, Isaac is such a cool kid. I love Isaac to death. He's like a little brother. Um, I'm very protective of him. It, it feels just. It, it feels like a family member. So, yeah, no problem. Now that Micah left, I can take his mic and say something. Um, I want to talk to Keisha about the women on the show um, and talk about, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, just how there's so many strong female characters on Game of Thrones and how you think um, their depiction versus other shows that are on television right now and how you feel about Oh, that's that. a big question, but a great question. Um, I think it's a, an interesting conversation at the moment, and I'm just really happy that it's happening in terms of like strong female characters on screen. And <laughs> oh, we lost one. Uh, but it was, I mean, I knew of the Sansex and they were always like some of my favourite characters from the books. And the great thing is, is that even though up until that point there have been like many very strong female characters and are in the show, they've often led on their own and been more like political leaders or you know, like lone wolves. And so there was something really nice that we wanted to explore with the Sand Snakes about them being women who work together. Um, And there wasn't kind of this underlying thing of bitchiness or they weren't in competition with each other, that they actually... I mean, they're siblings, and of course, you know, like we created very strange backstories about the things that they would have done to entertain themselves when they were young. They're pretty crazy girls <laughs> um, but there, it was nice to play a role like that and to play a role where you're alongside other women supporting each other and so I was very happy to bring that to the screen in the show 
That was a wonderful answer. Yeah. <laughs> that was a great answer. <laughs> a round of applause for Keisha's tassels. <laughs> Keisha Tassel Hughes. <laughs> uh, well done. Micah. Come Mike. on. Here you are. He's right, on, right done. Christ. We got a question back here? Um, yeah, for, for Christian. Um, obviously, big fan, so is my friend. He's couldn't be here, but he has genuinely theorized that Hodor will be on the Iron Throne. <laughs> um, but my question is actually related to your music. Okay. Um, I had, I have, I had been listening lately to like what you've come out with, like the stuff, um, on the last like single. Mm-hmm. I think it was Up and Beacon. Yeah. Or the songs. And I was, I was like a really big fan of that, of oh, those two songs actually. And I was wondering if you have any more music possibly. Well, actually, <laughs> There's been a new single in the last three weeks, so you're not that big a fan. Um, <laughs> no, I'm only joking. I'm only joking. My record company guy is here. It was his fault. <laughs> Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. That means a lot to me. Music is very, very important to me. Um, I have a new single called For Love. Um, it was out about, three, about two or three oh, yeah, weeks I ago. I yeah. Um, and yeah, we're, we're aiming to have an album out, um, possibly around April, May. Which is obviously not designed to coincide with Game of Thrones being released at all. No, nothing like that. <laughs> so, not but it just, just happens to be a coincidence. And thank you so much. I really appreciate you saying that. So, are you staying for the gig? Yeah. Good. Awesome, man. Thank you very much. How have your lives changed since joining the show for good and for bad? I mean, I know no one can come up to you without yelling Hodor, but. <laughs> it only happens at these events, you know. It doesn't. I'm not. Well, it happens sometimes, you know. Going to Tesco's for some pork rinds. I'm quite grumpy looking usually, and like people, I'm walking around an airport all sweaty and shitty looking. Someone's not going to go. Hold on, I'm going to punch him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how it looks. I'm not actually going to do that, but um, it sometimes looks that way. But yeah, I mean, as, as far as it's for me, I was, I was DJN. It, it completely changed my life. Uh, I didn't know. I, I, I never realized how far-reaching it would be um, and all the people I would meet. It's just completely expanded my horizons and I'm really fortunate and lucky to be in this position now. What about you two? Yeah, ditto. Yes. <laughs> um, it's hard to say because it's not been like an overnight success. You yeah. know? It's been mm. six years. And it's hard to say, you know, there's many factors that my life has changed, you know, not just because I'm, you know, Game of Thrones, but other things along the way. So... You know, Game of Thrones is it's amazing to be a part of something which everyone watches, everyone respects. You can have a conversation with pretty much anyone now because of that fact. So, yeah. I don't know. I'll just do the same stuff as I did, like, seven years ago. Yeah. I I only really... It was funny. The other... I was just thinking, the, when I got into New York a couple of days ago, I was in a car with this driver and and he said to me, oh, so, like, what's, what's Comic-Con about? Like, I got some comic books. Can I, can I come and trade them in there? Or, like, what do you do? <laughs> 20 years too late. <laughs> and, I, and I kind of said, oh, I think that could happen. I said, but there's vendors and you can... I said, I'm an actor and I go and I sign and do panels. And, and he said, well, what are you... Like, what are you acting? And I said, oh, I, Game of Thrones. And he went, never heard of it. And, and, <laughs> I have more people telling they, me they never yeah, heard, of it was, and it was, heard of it and I feel like in that moment I, f- I felt very defensive about it which was, which was strange because I was very convinced that it hadn't changed anything really but in that moment I was like well it's the biggest show in the world 
It's crazy you haven't heard of it. But I, yeah, I hear, I, oft, I often hear I people saying. I can't say, how many times people say, oh, you know what? I'm the only person in the world that hasn't watched the show. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah. Like, like, you're like, not, you're not. Yeah, exactly. I think it's just because yeah, yeah. it's so hyped. There's so much hype behind it. It's, it's, it's... Yeah, for sure. Well, I know that some nice gentlemen helping. Um, run this entire show tonight who we should give it up for who've been awesome yes all day. thank you to everybody at the hard rock they we're talking about yeah what's what's happening tonight what's this thing who's this guy that's on top of the this pile of swords that's on fire and who are those zombies <laughs> oh i haven't watched it yet or you know i'm just saying like it's funny because i guess we don't normally you said you felt a little defensive mm. but the big it's just you don't often meet someone who's who who doesn't at least say i'm the only person in the world who hasn't seen it yet yeah for sure it was a very strange kind of moment of going actually i'm really proud to be a part of this thing and you know and and because i was and i I mean i was fortunate enough that i was able to be a fan of the show before i entered into it which was equal parts exciting and terrifying and you're standing on set with the cameras around you and you're like all right (laughs) we're gonna we're gonna say action to something i thought i knew how to do my job going to be in game of thrones have fun (laughs) yeah that must have been like a ridiculous experience to go through that it was it was like winning the golden ticket like i was so excited that i got to be a part of it and uh the the first time i met nikolai who's jamie lannister i I just, I was like so lost for words and I felt like I had such a like connection to this person as that character. And when he spoke, like his, in the regular way that he speaks and his kind of Danish accent, I just was like, <laughs> what, who you are sound. you? You're like an imposter. <laughs> you're, you're not, you're not the, per- you're, you're not the person I know. <laughs> I was, I was a big fan of Nikolai on, uh, on a show that he did. It was short lived for ABC a couple of years ago, I think 2007, uh, called New Amsterdam. Where he played sort of a, a 300-year-old uh, Civil War um, veteran who was bitten, or not bitten, but nearly killed, uh, but resurrected uh, through uh, Native American Indian uh, magic. And he was essentially, <laughs> this show takes way too long to explain, which is probably why it only lasted eight episodes. <laughs> but the theory is that we have one soulmate in our lives and that they're not necessarily going to be alive the same time you are. So he gets immortality to basically go through the years and find his soulmate. But it's a, also a police procedural because he's now a detective. Anyway, if you haven't seen it, Nikolai is amazing in it. And it's called New Amsterdam, and you can find it on iTunes. But definitely watch it because I loved him in that prior to Thrones. And, uh, but watching him as Jamie is another experience entirely. Yeah, for sure. I wanted to bring that up. New Amsterdam. I plug New Amsterdam. You can ask these guys like yeah, every three to five episodes of Game of Bones. He likes he likes that show. Yeah. yeah it's a shame that it's over. <laughs> hey, Zach. Zach. They, they have to bring it back, but I, I'm sure he's a little busy. Right yeah, now. we also wish that Star Trek The Next Generation would be brought back, but you can't have everything that you want, can you? Well, there's a book. There's a book coming out. Zach. It's, oh, Mar- uh, Miss Tyrell. Or Queen. Tyrell. Sorry, Queen. My queen. queen now, yes. Well, she's in a cell, so not really. <laughs> but <laughs> um, hi, guys. Uh, my hi. question is for Finn um, and your portrayal of Loris. I know in the most recent season, he has a new bow, and some people were not too happy about that because in the books, he's very um, he's very loyal to Renly, and he takes his um, passing very hard, and he kind of goes on this quest for you know, vengeance. So I was wondering how, um, what you thought of the very strong bond between Renly and Loris and how you kind of incorporated that into your portrayal and what you think that means for Loris in the future. Sorry, I'll say the question again. I'm sorry. That was like a big mouthful. (laughs) No, no, no. Just, just the end part. Um, I was, 
I wanted to know um, what you thought about um, the bond between Renly and Loris and like how you incorporated into your portrayal of him and like how are you going to take that forward? All right, what I thought about his bond with Renly. Um, when we first meet Loris, he is a boy and he's in love with a man. It's very difficult to answer this question because half of my head is with book Loris and half of my head is with show Loris and they're two completely, completely different characters really. They make completely different choices and they're kind of from slightly, you know, in the, sh in the book, Lo Loris is a boy and Renly is a man, you know, and in the show it's not so much that. But anyway, um, I kind of feel like Loris uh, was a boy and when he first met Renly, he idolized him, you know, because he was kind of like the man he always wanted to be. And uh, I, I feel like, you know, he started to feel feelings for him and they ended up in this relationship. Then he died and obviously, you know, and the, and the books and the, the show handles it in very different ways. So it's... It's hard to say how, how I feel about it. I just get on with the job. I just do, I do what is, the material is given to me and then I, I act, really. But I don't know, it's hard to say because it's two different Lorises, you know? How many of us feel that way? We're split so much between the show and the book sometimes, right? It's really hard when we get it a really good chapter that you would say on the outside is about nothing. But then you read it and it's like, oh my God, it's about everything! <laughs> That's true. There's no, there's no chapter that's dull in the books. And not that there's an episode of Thrones that's dull, but there's no chapter. There are so many more chapters than there are episodes of Thrones. So yeah. it's like rewarding yourself reading the books. It's rewarding yourself of all the great characters through reading. Yeah. I mean, half of me, though, as an actor, wishes that I never read the books because then I wouldn't have to worry right. about, mm. you know, book yep. something and show something. I could just focus on the job in hand. That's because true. it is a job, you know? It's, it's something that I need to think, you know, very seriously about. Yeah. And if you've got too many noises and too many voices going into it, it kind of dilutes what you're trying to project. I, I, I see that. I, I would think that uh, sort of guessing off of sort of what, what the question was, was intended to, I mean, I, I would think that Renly, the life of Renly would actively influence uh, the character of Loris and, and sort of the yeah. memory and the, Hugely, of, of what yeah. they had in either series or, or book. But the show's funny because the show doesn't really acknowledge it after, after he dies. Yeah. So it, it's hard to say that. Like, I know how I feel about the character, and I know, you know, I know how I feel about it, but the show doesn't portray the way that I necessarily felt. Um, it, you know, I think because they didn't have enough time to focus on, on that relationship. They had other more important characters to the storyline that they needed to. Uh, so it's difficult to answer that because I know how I feel, but then I know the show is completely different. So... It's, it's weird. I've kind of just like drawn a line under the sand from that point onwards, and then I just see Loris post Renly is not different, but just like it's almost like he's blocked it all out because he can't even handle it anymore. You know, it's the, the grief is so tough on him, and the world that he's in, and what he's being made to do in King's Landing, like marry Sansa and then Cersei, he's going through so much torment, and he can't. He can't let it out. Like, he can't let out the fact that he's gay. He can't let out the fact that he's pissed off with his family, that he's pissed off with the world he's in. He just has to keep it in. So he just doesn't think about it. He, uh, you know, he just carries on being the tawny knight. He carries on just sleeping around with, with prostitutes because he just doesn't want to have to address the reality. And he can't address it. So it's really interesting now that he's, he's in a cell how all of those things are now going to come to fruition because, you know, he's just going to blow. He's got no more reason to hold it in. Wow. So, does, does that answer your question? Your question. <laughs> who's, who's our last question? Right over there in the back. Hey, um, so hey. this is a question for everyone. I, um, I mostly watch the show because I feel like it has a lot of portrayals of really uh, healthy relationships. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
So, uh, so for the last month, I've been uh, I've been seeing this guy, and I just found out that he's never seen a single episode of Thrones. Uh, what do you guys Netflix think? Chill. Should, should, I, should I break up with him? What no, do you guys think? No, no, no. My girlfriend, my girlfriend hasn't seen one episode of Thrones, and I absolutely love it. It's the way forward. It's good to have someone in a relationship that has seen Thrones and someone that hasn't. It's good to have that balance. <laughs> That's us too, right? Half yeah, and half. Yeah, my, I'm married to someone who's never seen the show, never read the books, like just not into any of it. Kind of keeps me grounded in reality. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's ha- it's my healthy. dog's never seen it's it. It's really healthy. <laughs> <laughs> he watches the ghost scenes only, so it doesn't really count. So keep your boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, He's keep, all right. Keep him oh, yeah. And, and if you do decide to show him one, uh, start with Hard Home, I think, right? Yeah, Everybody? why not? Yeah. It's yeah. rough because, because it shows you that there's White Walkers in the prologue, it's, so hell, show him yeah, Hard Home. yeah. They'll you know, find I, out sooner or later that Tormund is very sexy. They'll figure it out on their own. I, I have to say, I just thought of a question. I'm going to totally abuse the power to ask <laughs> these lovely people. What do you guys think about Theon? I love him. <laughs> Great joy. I, I think it's one. I think Theon is one of the best characters in in yeah. the show, and I yeah. think Alfie oh, is one of the best actors in the show. Thank you. Um, All right. Yeah. If I could play any other character, it would be Theon. hundred percent. Yeah. He's not clear cut, you know. He's tormented and he's trying to do things out of honor and duty, but yet he's getting it all wrong because he hasn't been taught right and he's instinctual and complicated, but has a heart of gold, I think, deep, deep down. And deep then down. he goes through to Reek and it's like, oh, I love him. I love him. He's amazing. I've really enjoyed this conversation with you guys. I feel like we've we've really really like cut cut deep into some things. You know, we've had some serious some serious dramatic moments up here. I like the beer. That was my favorite part. <laughs> <laughs> Is that Game of Thrones beer? Yeah, oh, yeah Game of Thrones yeah, it's beer. Got the label here. Yes, yeah, uh, Blondells. Or the, this one's Take the Black Stout. Let's Take have. the Black Stout. This is, or this is all done, thanks to me. Uh, this is the Iron Throne Blondale. Now, oh, that's these, the one. That's, that's good, yeah. These, these are the first two beers of five that have been released. Where, is it, where, where are they made? Are they made here? Uh, upstate New York. Upstate, upstate New York, uh, Cooperstown. We have the guys, we have the guys here, here, actually, just in the back there. Hey. I think I remember when I came. Yeah. Thank you. Let's They're give it up once gonna... again for Doug, Doug and Christopher from Brewery Amagang who are here and brought us beer. He's like, yeah, we're drinking our own beer. We're not buying stuff at the bar. <laughs> we got cases of it. Um. Well, thank you guys for, for joining us. Like I said, it's been, it's been a blast. It's been a lot of fun. Here's the th- 300 more Game of Owns podcast. 300 episodes tonight. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you very much. Give it up for Keisha Castle Hughes, Christian Nairn, Finn Jones. <laughs>